The question that we're asking in this series is what kind of story is your life telling? What kind of story is your life telling? Because as we said last week, there are ultimately two stories that are told with people's lives. There's either the story of self or the story of God. The story of the self-salvation project or of the, the Jesus salvation project. Those ultimately are the only two kinds of stories that are told with people's lives. Those are the only options. And the difference maker in this, as we talked about some last week, the difference maker is this, in this is how you view and how you tell your life's story. The options are you're the hero or Jesus is the hero. Apparently you guys are the self-salvation project and you're the hero. You're the Jesus is the hero section. Those are the options. There are no other options in between those two. Ultimately, it's whether you are the hero or Jesus is the hero. And that's the difference maker in how you view and in how you tell your story. Now, let me say this. If Jesus is not the hero, you don't have an actual testimony, meaning the word testimony in the Bible is a testament to the work of God in someone's life. So if Jesus is not the hero, you do not have a testimony You do not have a testimony because suddenly you are the hero of that story. You see, for the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, either you tell a story as if the great exchange has happened or not. And here's what I mean by the great exchange. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we'll put this on screen for you in just a second here. 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is worth memorizing if you don't know it. This is worth looking up later on. This is the difference maker in whether you're the hero or Jesus is the hero. And this is it right here. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, meaning Jesus who knew no sin, God made him to be sin for us so that... For the purpose that in Jesus, in him, in his perfection, we might become righteous. God may count us as righteous. And so this great exchange of God's perfection for our sin is the story that we're highlighting throughout this whole series. So we talk about tell the story, we mean that story, that 2 Corinthians 5.21 exchange, that story of the redemption of God. Every Christian life motto, every Christian's life motto is, my story is redemption. My story is redemption. Redemption speaks of that great exchange. Now for me, this has been a surprisingly difficult lesson to learn personally, for me, I mean, you'd think, you'd think that guy talking up there has done this, worn the t-shirt, knows what it's like to be a believer. Listen, I'm a preacher's kid, people. I get the drill. But, but it's difficult for me to learn this story of, of redemption is my story, to learn that kind of thing. I've been hearing about redemption since before I could walk and talk. So it's a little weird that it would be hard for me. I was the kid who, who on the day, the Monday after the sexual purity conference, I was the kid who wore the I'm not doing it t-shirt to school. Like, I wish that weren't true. That was me. Uh, that was me. I was the kid who, right before class started at the beginning of the day, I was the kid who led the prayer group right in the middle of the hallway. Uh, and we would intentionally meet like five minutes before uh, school started so we could create a scene. That, that, was, 
That was our little group. I was the kid who, who threw out on the way back from youth conference. I was the kid in the bus who threw out all the secular tapes, you know, to purge my tape collection of evil, obviously. Which I lament a little bit, frankly, because I lost a, a couple good Beagles tapes in the process. Um, but but, but you, you kind of know what I mean, right? Like you were there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and all nights in between. Like, like if the doors were open, Wakefields were present and accounted for. Many of you all kind of grew up with some of that, which means it's a little weird that it would be hard for me, that would be a struggle to think of my story as a life of redemption sometimes. Because I struggle with the kind of self-righteousness that says like, hey, I'm in the hallway starting a prayer group. Who grew up going to church camp? Anybody? Grew up going to church camp? All right. Yes, these are my people. These are my people. You know who you are. Holding hands in the last night of church camp. Friends of friends forever. The Lord's the Lord of them. That was, that was what I grew up doing, as many of you probably did. I remember very clearly, this is an example of how it felt to grow up a church kid and yet not not know that my story is redemption. I remember many times, literally dozens of times, sitting around the campfire at church camp, feeling like I don't have one of these wonderful testimonies to share. Many of you all have probably been in that circumstance, know exactly what I'm talking about. Every night at church camp, there's this famous campfire. And it's the perfect setting for a moving testimony. You know what I'm talking about? The perfect setting There's the warmth of the fire. There's just the voices and an acoustic guitar maybe singing songs. Uh, that cute boy or girl that you just fell in love with this week <laughs> sitting across the way, fire dancing in his or her eyes. Seriously, church campfire uh, is, is a moment w- that where the setting is perfect so that somebody could stand up and give a talk. It could be like, you know, blah, 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 Jesus loves you. And because the setting is so perfect, dozens of kids would come forward and say, I love Jesus too. It's that kind of feeling going on. That's only a slight overstatement. At campfire, there was always somebody who would stand up and talk about this radical transformation of of Jesus in their lives. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Now this is the life I lead, and, and Jesus has changed me. I remember hearing that time and again, thinking, like, I, I want that story. Why don't I have that story? Feeling, feeling inadequate because that's not the radical testimony of change that I remember going on in my life. You ever feel a little bit like, like your story? Wherever the context, whatever you come from, like your story is inadequate because maybe you don't remember a time when you didn't love the Lord? For a lot of church kids, a lot of people who've been sitting in these pews for their whole lives, that's a little how it feels. Like my story, eh, nothing special. <laughs> my story, a little bit boring. I mean, listen, nobody, after I've told my story, nobody comes up and says, Scott, you've got to tell that story to the youth group kids. It just, it just doesn't happen. I think that's a little how young Timothy felt. Because Timothy was a church kid, he'd done the church camp thing, he'd sat around the campfire, he knew the church drill. I think that's a little how young Timothy felt when he was compared to Paul. He felt a real sense of sort of uh, spiritual inferiority. Because, listen, Paul was, I mean, Paul was Paul. And the apostle, Paul. 
I mean, God came to him and changed him in a supernatural flash of light from the ugliest and the most vile place. I mean, sex, drugs, and rock and roll were kind of child's play for Paul. He had been a powerful religious leader who was murdering Christians who now was one of the biggest leaders of the early church. I mean, that's a radical life change. Who's going to compete with Paul? Who's going to compete with a story like that? It's probably a little bit of how Timothy felt. Jump with me to 2 Timothy, the first verse, if you're not there yet. 2 Timothy 1, verse 1. We're going to go through this passage, and we'll we'll glean some evidence along the way. We'll glean uh, and gather uh, some encouragement from Paul's words to Timothy. See, Paul. part of why Paul had written Timothy here is to encourage him to say, listen, where you've come from, it's valid. No matter how you feel, where you come from is valid. We'll see why as we get into the text. Look at verse 1. This is just sort of the greeting from Paul to Timothy. It says, verse 1, Paul... An apostle of Christ Jesus, but there's a reason why he says it the way he does, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Here Paul is emphasizing God's plan to call him as a leader in the church because young Timothy, his protege, needs to have the reassurance that his own life is part of God's plan, just like Paul's. So you can see that in the the verbiage there. Verse 2, to Timothy, my beloved child. Paul was a father for Timothy in the face. We know from Acts, 6, 7, from Acts 16 that, that uh, Timothy probably did not have a Christian father at least. It says, To Timothy, my beloved child, verse 2, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. He hints at where the gift of God comes from. We'll look at that later on. Now, now term, Timothy here had been to church camp. He knew the drill. He grew up hearing Paul's story. In fact, there's pretty good evidence from Acts 16, that, that, that Paul uh, visited Timothy's hometown and that's how Timothy became a Christian. That's how Timothy became a believer in the first place, listening to these amazing changes in Paul's life. I mean, Paul had the ultimate campfire testimony. And, and Timothy probably became a Christian hearing those kinds of stories. You can look that up in Acts 16, 1 and 2 later on. But even though he had heard all that, he still struggled with his own story, Timothy did. And so you'll notice throughout the text today some comparisons between Paul and Timothy, but not a comparison for like a competition, but to say, hey, listen, Timothy, what you've come from is real. It's valid. Don't don't talk about it as if it's not because it's the real deal. Keep reading verse three. Paul speaking here, he says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. Paul says, listen. I'm serving just like my ancestors did. And so this faith that I knew wasn't original to me. It came from others who came before. Verse 3, keep, keep uh, reading. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Paul says, I'm pulling for you. I'm praying for you. Stick with it. Look at verse 5. I am reminded, this is key, of your sincere faith. And then he says, it's a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Timothy is the first second generation Christian mentioned in the New Testament. And Timothy's story is a lot like many of our stories. He went to church camp. He knew the drill. Went to to church because his grandmother took him to VBS or or something like that, you know. And here in verse 5... 
Paul is reminding Timothy that just like Paul's faith was inherited, Timothy's faith wasn't original to him either. It says it was an inherited faith. Grandmother Lois, Mother Eunice. Notice he calls Timothy's faith a sincere faith. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in others. So notice this. It was A, sincere, and B, inherited. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. I guess a lot of times it's really easy to think, oh, all these who came before, what I've learned about who I am and what's been brought to me in the faith about Jesus is an inherited thing. Therefore, it's not valid. That's not true. That's not true. Who learns to tell the story of who you are and why you exist on your own? Nobody. Nobody who's ever lived. Everybody inherits a story about who they are and why they exist. And Timothy inherited it. And Paul says it's a sincere faith. So those two things, it's sincere and it's inherited, are not mutually exclusive. That's a key theological point here in the text here. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Truth is, no one's faith is original to them. Faith is always an acquired gift. Keep reading verse 6. For this reason, because Timothy's faith is an acquired gift... I remind you, Paul speaking to Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Notice that Paul calls it a gift of God, he says, meaning that the faith started with and is from God. And anyone who thinks, by the way, I'm going to say this a couple of times because it's important, anyone who thinks that faith is earned, anyone who thinks that faith is earned and not an acquired gift, misunderstands that receiving the gospel rests on Receiving is an active part of it. Relax. (laughs) Receiving the gospel rests on Jesus' perfection and others telling the story. I'm going to say it again. It's a little bit complicated, but it's an important thing to get in the text here. It's an important theological point. Anyone who thinks that faith is earned and is not an acquired gift misunderstands that receiving the gospel, yes, it's active, receiving the gospel rests on Jesus' perfection and others telling the story. Sometimes we feel like we have no testimony because it wasn't original to us. Therefore, my experience is less valid than than someone else's. That's silly. That's silly. It's a form of self-righteousness, actually. The reassurance that Paul offers Timothy here is rooted in God's work, not in his. So when we say tell the story, we mean tell the story of the work of God. And so he says, I remind you to fan into flame that gift, that story, which is in you through the laying on of my hands as an indication of the Spirit's work in Timothy. Keep reading. It's on you from the laying on of my hands. Verse 7, for God gave us, again, God's the giver, we're the recipients, a spirit not of fear, which apparently Timothy struggled with as a consequence of feeling spiritually inadequate, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Which is to say, Paul needs to say to Timothy so he has this reassurance. Listen, the spirit of God's in you. You've experienced the power of God in love and power and self-control. You've experienced that you know God's in you. That, that means that your faith is valid. There are evidences of God's work in you. Paul says to Timothy, so look at verse 8. 
So, because of all that, because your faith is inherited, because someone has told the story to you, because you're naming the righteousness of God in that great exchange, verse 8, Therefore, because of the evidence of God's Spirit in you, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. There it is, in plain terms, do not be ashamed of, this is key, the testimony about our Lord. Notice that, that Paul isn't saying, do not be ashamed, Timothy, of your testimony. That's an obvious implication. He's not saying, do not be ashamed of your testimony, as if the message, as if the testimony is about Timothy's life per se. Paul is saying, you have nothing to be ashamed of, Timothy. Tearful and moving, come to Jesus' campfire testimony or not. Your, quote, boring testimony is nonetheless the testimony about our Lord. There aren't many testimonies about our Lord. There are simply people who tell the testimony. There aren't many testimonies about Jesus. There is a testimony given by people. That's why Paul calls it the testimony about our Lord. He says, don't be ashamed about that. Don't be ashamed about what you have. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Keep reading. Nor of me, his prisoner. I mean, listen, I'm in jail as I write this. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us. An important note here, if you want to go through the text later, there's a lot of our and us language in this. Meaning Timothy's looking at Paul and he's going, you're so great, I didn't do anything but fold laundry today. That's kind of the feeling. And Paul says, listen, he saved us. He saved us to a holy calling, he says. The word us or our is in there 11 or 12 times throughout the text. It's really cool to see that if you want to go back later. He says, he has saved us and called us, not just me because I've been shipwrecked and and imprisoned and stoned and left for dead, and not because I have some good testimony around the campfire, but both of us, Timothy, he saved both of us to a holy calling, it says, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. That was God's plan all along. And which now has been manifested, has been made known through the appearing of our Savior Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. Verse 10 right there is the testimony. The testimony is that Jesus has appeared, He has abolished death, He's brought life to light through the good news of His appearing. He's saying, this is your testimony, Timothy. This is your testimony. And this testimony, verse 11, this testimony, Paul says, is my ministry. That's also your ministry. Keep reading, verse 11. It's my ministry, Paul says, verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. The testimony I give, Timothy, is just the testimony you're going to (laughs) give. It's the same testimony. For which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Now listen to Paul's final words of encouragement in verses 12 to 14. He says, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. He's done this for me. He can do this for you. Verse 13, follow the pattern. This is a command to Timothy. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, just like you did from others, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And then he goes back to this us language. Verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you this faith that's been handed down from generation after generation is what he calls a good deposit 
of faith. It's a testimony about Jesus where others who have gone before have told the story of the work of God in their lives. And here you are, Timothy. You have this good deposit of faith. By the Holy Spirit, who is in you, guard that. That's the testimony. That's a legit, valid testimony, Timothy. You have a story to tell, Paul says, just like I do. That's Paul's message to Timothy. And it's his message to us. It's his message to you. You have a story to tell. If your story, in whatever context, whatever your experience is, wherever you've come from, if your story is new life in Christ, you have a story to tell. So tell that boring story. It may feel boring, but it's anything but that. It's anything but that. Let's watch this. I grew up in a Christian home. I, I grew up with two godly parents that took me to church. Uh, I was the kid in school that, that didn't drink, that didn't cuss. I went to a Christian college after uh, I graduated high school. And I used to think that that really made me a boring Christian. My name is Wes Ford, and this is my story. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, my parents went to church even before I was born, and uh, from the moment I was born, I went to church. Um, we were there all the time. Uh, we were there on Sunday morning. We were there Sunday night. Uh, even Wednesday night, we were there. And uh, for a period of time, about two or three years, uh, my family actually cleaned the church. So we were there. Uh, even during the week, we were at church uh, cleaning the building. Uh, so I was at church a lot. Uh, you hear all of these testimonies about people that have battled addictions and that have battled, um, you know, uh, had their wild side or rebelled against God. And, and, um, and then all of a sudden they've come back and received that forgiveness from God. Um, they just had these, you know, it seems like they have these amazing stories of this transformation that God had done in their life. And um, my story, I was just always the, the church kid. I was just always the person that grew up in church. Didn't give my life to Christ uh, and declare him my Savior until uh, about a week before my 15th birthday. And uh, once I did decide that, once I did know that I need God in my life, that, that my life is missing without God, I really wanted God to make a difference in my life, and I really wanted him to change my life, and I really took it personally that um, I want to honor God with my life. So I was that, uh, uh, the weird kid in, in high school uh, that is actually trying to live out my faith. Um, my hope is, I hope that that was an amazing uh, uh, story to people around me. You know, I, I hope that people look at my life and say, man, what is it about his life? What, what is it about that, that makes him different? And I hope they look at it and say that, man, it's God. You know, he really believes that God is real and he's living his life according to that. He knows that um, 
that his life, that my life matters and that God matters and that I want to follow him and live for him. Uh, I, I think that um, that's pretty amazing. I know some of y'all are in the same boat. You know, some of y'all have grown up in church. You were raised in church. You've gone to church your whole life. And there's not a time you can't remember. And some of y'all even became a Christian when you were five or six or seven years old. And there's not a time that you can't recall not being at church and not trying to serve God and serve Jesus with all your heart. And, and I would just offer this encouragement that that's an awesome awesome testimony that that you can say that i have been faithful to god i have been trying to serve him and i really think that that can encourage a lot of people um it can encourage other christians around us that that have you know struggled with their faith Uh, i think it can encourage non-christians that that they're trying to figure out that is this god that they talk about in the bible is jesus for real and that they look at your life and say man I don't know if I believe everything about the Bible, but that person does. And that person's living their life like they believe that God is real. So maybe there is something to all this God stuff. Maybe there is something to all this this talk about Jesus being our Savior. I hope that my life, even though some people may think it's boring, uh, I hope that I live a life that honors Christ that um, brings him glory, that people can see that he is real, that he can make a difference in your life, that he can bring you peace, that he can bring you joy, um, that all these things out here that people think bring them life, that is, you know, these sins that are out here, that that is not where real life is, that following Christ, following his ways, uh, trying to be like him and praying every day to, to, to die to myself, to pray that the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit comes inside of me and helps me live like Christ, that people see that, that that's what brings true joy and true peace and true uh, happiness, that this is the life, that living for Christ is the life. So that would be my encouragement to you. If you think that you're just a boring Christian, that you don't have this extreme testimony uh, about God has delivered you from these massive addictions or massive sins, Just know God has delivered you from your sin. Every one of us, the Bible tells us, every one of us is a sinner. And Jesus died for us, even us boring Christians. Jesus died even for boring Christians. I want to encourage you, friends, you have a story to tell. If it's the story of the work of God, you're telling the story. That's the story of Jesus making all things new. And that is a a story that is never boring. It's always amazing because it's always about resurrection. It's always about the work of God to redeem. It's always about the centrality of God doing for us in Jesus what we could not do for ourselves. Regardless of your context, wherever you've come from, whatever your experiences, whatever you've been delivered from, the story is always, if it's about the work of God, a story worth telling. So friends, I just want to encourage you. You have a story worth telling. This is how the gospel moves forward. Regular old 
boring Christians who have an amazing story to tell of the work of God. Let's pray, friends.